I have a nephew who actually plays uh, golf, and, that, and, and my, my uh, sister-in-law was just telling me that when they're out there, this is the hardest part of being on the golf team, is this fact that everybody's always lying about their score. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, you guys. Uh, my name is Dave Nelson. I'm the lead pastor of K2 here, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're in a series that's called uh, Stuck Like Glue, and what we're trying to do is figure out how can we keep our relationships together. And we just want to know, I just last week we talked about how every human heart longs to keep relationships together. As soon as you know that love is starting to slip away, it can be one of the most agonizing things that can happen to our heart. So there's something inside of us that wants relationships to last. And what we talked about last week, it's because we actually have a calling from God. And we talked about when you have a calling, when you find your calling, what happens is you usually will say, I found what I was made for. And what we find is that God has actually called us, created us for this purpose of being in relationships that actually last. And so that's why we desire it so badly. And so last week, I just want to do a little recap here. We looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And he said, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And so there's a calling that every human being has received. And the calling is to be in relationship with God. So God is saying, hey, listen, guys, I love you so much, and I'm desiring nothing more than for you to come back and to be in relationship with me. You have a calling. There's a longing for that. And then what he says is, if you actually respond to that calling, this is the coolest part, then what God does is he actually puts his spirit inside you. It's a sweet gift he gives you. And he says, now I want to actually, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you be everything that you were created to be. And so the scripture says, so live a life. Go ahead and leave that up there. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And so then he goes on to the very next verse. Well, how, how do we live out this calling? He says, we'll be completely humble, gentle, patient, bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort, live a life worthy of your calling. And your calling is to live with me. God is just saying, I want you to live with me. I actually want to be inside of you. Now, and I just want to say, so if you're here at K2 this morning and you're, you're investigating Christianity and investigating what is this message that Christ gave us and why do a billion people around the world follow this thing, here's part of the message. Part of the message God is saying is, I'm actually going to live inside of you and put my spirit in you. And my spirit is loving and kind and gentle and patient. My spirit, the love I have, never fails. It always perseveres. I'm going to pour that inside of you. And so if you're investigating Christianity, one of the things that I just want to encourage you as we go through this message today is to know or to, to consider could that type of transaction take place where God would actually put his spirit inside of me, help me, strengthen me to be able to live the life that actually I long to live? Because everybody wants relationships at last. And I just love the fact that that's what God wants to. And that's what he wants to do. Now, if you're a follower of Christ today, that's what we believe, okay? We, we believe with all of our heart. And as I said last week, we got to stop trying and we got to start believing, <laughs> 
Stop trying to keep relationships together, and let's start believing some stuff. And that's what we're going to look at again today. To believe that God's spirit is actually inside me, and that God has called me to be one. So we're going to go look a little further into the passage here today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. And he says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life before the Spirit of God came inside of you. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful, there's deceitful again, desires, and be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, and look at this, put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, this, this is just awesome for me. And, and, and man, Emily, I, I, just, I just was so grateful for what she shared. It's like that first, how many of you too have failed a thousand times? And, 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 and we just do. And how good is it to know that here's a God saying, I will come inside of you and help create a heart in you so that you can actually be like God in true righteousness and holiness, which means you can finally do what's right and what's good and what's loving. So here's what he says. That's your reality. If you receive Christ, the Christian message is, if you receive Christ into your life, his spirit now is inside you. You have a calling, and let's live like it. Let's actually live like we have God inside of us. And he's saying, I want your relationships to stick like glue. I want them to last. Now, look at this very next verse, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Some, uh, this day and three weeks, uh, the next three weeks, some very practical stuff now that God's going to try to help us to figure out how we can make these relationships last. The first thing he says is here, Ephesians 4.25, the very next verse. Therefore, so whenever you see therefore, you need to figure out what's that therefore, all right? That's what, that's what that verse, whenever you see the word therefore, what's that therefore? He's right before us, he's saying, you have a new spirit inside of you. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Therefore, since the spirit of God is inside of you, you must put a falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Now, it's kind of interesting. If you go to the original language in the Greek, it actually says, for we are, one, we are all members of one another. We're all members of one another. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're a follower of Christ, the Spirit's in you and you and you and you, and he's actually knit us together. And so what he's saying is, if your relationships are going to last, if they're going to stick, if they're going to be one, then the first thing you got to do, the first thing he says, is you got to start telling the truth to each other you got to start telling the truth to each other. It is critical for oneness. Now, why is that? And I, I think very quickly, I can, we'll just see this. Deceit leads to weakness. Deceit weakens and truth strengthens. Deceit weakens and truth strengthens. Think about this. If you know somebody in your life and you know that they tell you the truth, they're, just, they're a truth teller, what do you do? You trust them. Hello? You trust them, right? If somebody's a truth teller, you're going to trust them. If you trust somebody, you know what's going to happen? You are going to move towards them. You just will. Every time somebody becomes a little bit more trustworthy, you move a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And you know what happens? It ends up 
being oneness. That's how intimacy happens. You cannot have intimacy with someone that you're not going to be vulnerable with. And you're not going to be vulnerable with someone that you can't trust. And how can I know that I can trust you? Because you tell me the truth. Now, if you know someone who doesn't tell you the truth, if they're deceitful, then what do you do? You don't trust them. <laughs> Their distrust just happens. And if distrust happens, what do you do? You start to pull away. What you, do, you are not going to be vulnerable. You're not going to offer yourself because you're not sure if that person's telling the truth or not. And as soon as there's deceit, you start pulling away. And if you keep pulling away, eventually that leads to division. Now, here's what's interesting. That happens if the other person is being deceitful. And it happens if you're being deceitful. See, because if you're lying, you know why you're lying? Because somehow you don't trust that other person to be able to handle the truth. You can't handle the truth, right? If you, sorry, that was bad, but <clears throat> that was a really lame Jack Nicholson right there, I tell you. But if you are being deceitful, what you're saying is, I can't trust you. And if you can't trust somebody, you're going to keep your distance from them. And again, it leads to division. So deceit weakens, but truth strengthens. Now, here's what's interesting. You guys think about this. Why do, why do, you, why do we lie? How many of you lie? Did everybody raise your hand? I just want to make sure. Why do we lie? Let me just give you a few things. Some of us lie because we're fearful of conflict. Some of us lie because we're fearful of hurting somebody else's feelings. And then they'll respond negatively. Sometimes we lie out of fear of rejection or that we might lose the relationship. Sometimes we lie out of the fear of losing respect or admiration. That's probably the guy in the video. I don't want anybody to know how really bad I am, so I'll lie about it. And lots of times we lie out of the fear of punishment. That's my kids, right, your kids? When they lie, they don't want to get in trouble. Here's what's interesting, you guys. I think... If you could take every reason that we lie down to its root core, it's because we fear. We have fear that we could lose something, that we could get hurt, that we might hurt somebody else. So how do we handle this? Well, look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. Instead, okay, instead of doing all that, speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head and that is Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, if we will speak the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of... So what he's saying is, if we would speak the truth to each other in love, what will happen is we'll actually grow together to become one body. Together, mature and complete and this is what God's saying. This is, I just, I cannot wait for this message today. I'm going to come out there. Anybody else want to give it? Um, but no, but here's, here's what I love, is that God is saying, my whole desire for you is to come together. My whole desire for you is to join together and be one. How do you do it? You've got to be truth tellers in love. Now, how many of you, because, and here's the, here's the reality, most of us are, are one or the other. We, we, most of us are better truth tellers 
and some of us are better love givers, okay? How many of you would say you lean more on the truth teller side? How many truth tellers we got out there? Okay, cool. How many of you are more on the love side, all right? Wow, that's, okay, that's amazing. That's like 50-50, all right, very good. So now here's the deal. All you truth tellers, do it in love, okay? I just want to say this. I, I say this. We, we, I've been doing this for seven years here at K2. I, I'm going to say it again. If you can't tell the truth in love, shut up. <laughs> shut up. All right? <laughs> Hopefully you're not sitting next to your wife. All right. Because truth without love is abrasive. And even if you're trying to help the person, if I receive truth and it's not done in love, you know what I do? I pull away. So God's wanting us to come together, but truth without love, wonk, it'll make you distance away. And I love in Colossians 3.14, it says, over all these virtues, there's all this you know, patience and kindness and gentleness, there's all that kind of stuff. He says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. And there it is, bind, stuck like glue. It bonds you together in perfect unity. Love bonds you together in perfect unity. Now, let me just talk to all you love givers. That would be my side, Okay. Here's the problem. If you're a love giver, but you aren't actually talking and speaking the truth, you know what your problem is? My problem is, our problem is, we're not living in reality. We're not. We try to paint this really beautiful picture, and it ain't true. Somebody could bust right through it eventually, and eventually it usually does. And so you're living in a candy-coated world that's not true. And here's what's interesting, too. If you're, if you're a love giver without truth, I think you actually live almost all of your life with this constant undercurrent of fear because you're fearful that the truth might come out. And that's no way to live. So again, if you can't live in the truth, what you do is you distance yourself from people because you don't actually want reality to come out into the light because deep down you know that what is truly accepted is a facade, okay? You're just, you're going, hey, this looks good, and I really love you, you know? And it's all a facade. And you know what's horrible about that? Is then you never really know if you're loved. Because all the only thing you know that is accepted is not actually reality. Truth and love. So here's my question that I asked last week. Why is this not working? Why is this not working? Why, again, are the majority of relationships struggling and, and, and fading away from each other? Even those of us who have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us who always moves to oneness. Why is there division? Why isn't it working? And I just want to tell you, I think, again, it's because we've got to stop trying and we've got to start believing. We've got to start try, stop trying. We've got to start believing. So here you go, guys. I, this, this thing I'm going to share with you, I, I am so excited about this. And I, for me personally, I feel like I have a whole other tool in my tool belt that got put in there this week for my relationships. Now, that's fun to be able to get to share this with you today. But here's what I know. Every one of you in here lies. Every one of us in here lies. 
all of us. And God, and we lie for different reasons. And we struggle to be truth tellers or to receive truth for different reasons. And you're going to see this in just a minute. So there's a, I'm going to give you a lot of information. I want to tell you, this is a day to grab your paper and a pen, okay? And make sure you write this stuff down because somewhere in here is you. But the first thing we got to do is we got to pray, okay? Because we have to pray and ask God to reveal to you and to your own heart who you are and how, because I believe with all of my heart, because he wants your relationships to last, that he wants to speak to us this morning about this truth, okay? So let's pray and ask him to do it. God, I know as we sit here today that our only hope is that you would actually open the eyes of our heart so that we can see you, that you would open our ears so that we can actually hear you. And God, I just want to ask that you might do what I certainly can't do. And anybody else in this room, would you come and make this truth sink into the deepest part of our soul? And God, by the time we're done here, may we have hope to be people who speak the truth in love and people who experience relationship as you intended it to be. And I ask for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here we go. Um, again, let me take you back. I think we all lie because there's fear, Okay. There's a really incredible verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says this. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, so if you think about this, since we're all liars, and somehow if we can go down to the core of, our, of, the, of the root of our lying, it's because we fear. And what God tells us here is, can I just tell you something about fear? There's no love in fear. In fact, uh, lots of times if, you, if I asked you what's the opposite of fear, what's the first word you would say? Or I'm sorry, I, if, I, if I gave you the opposite of love, what would you say? Hate. You'd say hate. And I remember I was listening to a guy speak years ago, and he said, no, actually the opposite of love is Fear. See, because fear has to do with what? You're completely consumed with yourself. So if you have fear, and yet we want to be truth tellers, and truth tellers takes love to do it, this verse just tells us there's no fear in love. So if I really loved, then somehow it would drive out the fear that is causing me to live in unreality with whoever that is in my life. And here's what's cool, you guys. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with this idea that somehow I'm going to, and that's, what, that's part of it is, whether it's rejection or somebody not liking me or whatever it is, fear has to do with punishment. Perfect love drives that out. Now, what is perfect love? What is perfect love? What did you say? God's love. Look at this, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us, perfect love, in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
You guys, that message right there is what Christians call the gospel. And what I can't wait to share with you here right now is this. The gospel is the ultimate statement of truth and love. The gospel is the ultimate statement of truth and love. And if we're ever going to be really good truth tellers in love, I think it's going to be based on how well we understand and believe the gospel. And once we really get the gospel, it's going to promote, it's going to, it's going to totally <clears throat> stir within us the ability to live truth and love out. Okay? What is the gospel? Here's the truth. Okay? Part of the gospel message. So what does the cross say? <laughs> Okay, so we just got done with that a few weeks ago. Celebrate the whole Easter weekend. What does the cross say? You know what the cross says? The cross is one of the most insulting statements ever to humanity. The cross is God saying to you, you are so messed up. In fact, you are so messed up and you are so lost that nothing less then the Son of God dying for you can take care of how messed up you are. Now, what human being wants to hear that? We don't want to hear that. Wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm all right. See, but the gospel message is just insulting. The truth part of it is you're really messed up. In fact, you're so messed up that someone has to die in your place to take care of your sin. Okay? Now, at the same time, what message does the cross say? When you look at the cross, you also know this. You are so unbelievably loved. You are so loved. You are so precious to me. You are so valuable to me. I, just, I always picture God just saying, man, I created you, and I love what I created, and I want to be with you forever. I will do anything to make sure that you get to be with me. There is nothing I wouldn't do. In fact, I will send my son. I will die for you. That's how valuable you are to me. See, there's something about you, every one of you in this room, there's something about you that makes you so loved by God. And that is he created you and he loves what he's created and he knows the plans and the purposes he has for your life and he wants you to have them. He wants you to be reconnected to him. He loves you so much. And yet, what's so cool is you don't have to do anything to get God to love you. You don't have to do anything to get God to love you. You guys, the message of the cross is this. The gospel message. You are completely messed up. And you are completely loved. Now, here's the point. If you don't understand how messed up you are, then his love, then the magnitude of his love isn't very big. If you don't see the magnitude of your sin and the consequence of your sin, then God's love is not that big of a deal. You know the song that the world loved, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's not amazing unless you know the magnitude of your sin. Now, on the flip side is this. If you don't know the magnitude of God's love, then you will never be able to accept the fact that you're lost. If you don't know the magnitude of how messed up you are, you'll never understand the magnitude of God's love. And you'll never be able to accept the fact that you're messed up until you know the magnitude of how much he loves you. That is the greatest message of truth and love that there is. And I, I just want to tell you, 
I, and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm getting better and better and better at this. But one of the greatest things that I feel like I can celebrate is I am totally screwed up. <laughs> Seriously, I am so messed up and I am so loved. And there is no greater news in all the world than that right there. Now, here's what happens. As soon as you believe that, put your faith that Jesus was the Son of God and he came in. There's a transaction that happens and now his Holy Spirit gets inside of you. And the Spirit is the one who helps you to get this and now receive it fully and live in it. And here's the point. Now you have a chance to speak the truth and love to one another. And knowing the gospel, knowing you're messed up and knowing you're loved is going to help you speak the truth and love to another. You guys ready? Okay, get your pencils and paper. Here's how this works. There's two, two things that we can do. Number one is we can hide something about ourselves. So sometimes I'm hiding something about me, okay? Sometimes I'm hiding something about me. Don't raise your hand, but some of you know right now, you got stuff in your life, and probably the person sitting right next to you can't know that. I'm hiding something about me. Now here's, if we're going to speak the truth in love, there's both a speaker and a receiver, why in the world would you risk speaking the truth about what you're hiding to somebody else? Let me show you how the gospel works. If I've got major sin in my life, and yet I know, I know, and I've totally accepted the fact, I am a broken human being. So in other words, then when you totally mess up, there should be part of you as a human being, once you understand the gospel, that goes, exactly, you screwed up. I know. That's what I am. I'm human. That's what humans do, right? See, and as soon as you accept the gospel that you're not like this really good person who screwed up, you're a screw up. Once you know that, then once you've really sinned, there's part of you that can look in the mirror and go, that's what God told me. God told me I would really mess up. See, so now I don't have to fear. I don't have to try to be something that I'm not. And most of us right now, if you're lying about something in your life, you're trying to be something you're not. Why is it that we can't say, I'm just messed up? The gospel lets you say, I'm messed up. And that's really cool. And here's the other thing. So the other thing the speaker has to know is that they're messed up. And then the speaker also needs to know that I'm loved. And I'm telling you, man, the gospel does this. That's what the whole gospel message is. David, while God demonstrates his love for us in this, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He didn't say clean up your act first. He said, I love you now. And I'm telling you what, if you've got sin in your life, if you've got stuff in your life, and you're completely hiding it from the rest of the world, what is ever going to give you the freedom to eventually get that out. Because can I tell you something? If you keep it hidden in here, that's called darkness, and it eats you up. It weakens you. It distances you. You've got to hide that from all the people around you, and you can't experience intimacy. You can't experience oneness. And I'm telling you, once you finally know the gospel, you can finally say, I'm messed up, and I'm dearly loved. And so you can risk exposing what is true about you, okay? Now, there's also a receiver. And don't raise your hands on this one either, but how many of you have had somebody 
actually risk telling you something, a deep, dark secret, the skeletons in the closet, and they expose that to you? And what if that person is really, really close to you? And what if the stuff that they exposed in the closet really hurts you? How can I be someone who can receive that? I'm telling you, the message, the answer is the gospel. If somebody, if I'm close to, would decide to reveal some deep stuff to me, and what's so cool, this happened just this week for me. (laughs) You know what's so cool? Is because I know I am messed up, then I have no expectation for you to be anything other than that either. See, you can be a receiver of a message of, of someone exposing their sin, and you can actually receive it if you know you're messed up. If for some reason you think you're a good person, and this is why religion is so dangerous. Religion is dangerous, you guys, because what religion does is make you do a lot of good things so that you actually feel like you're better than other people. You guys get that one, I I see. See, and so as soon as you actually think you're better, and Christians are horrible at this, which is so hilarious to me, because if you actually understood the gospel, you would never put yourself higher than anybody else, ever. So can I just tell you, if you're a Christian right now, and somebody has shared their sin with you, and you're like, oh, my. You know, I'm just telling you right now, you don't know the gospel. Because somehow you actually think you're better than other people. You know, there was a guy this week at, in our crash course said, said a perfect thing. He goes, if we look really close at each other, we can see that we're taller, right? You're a little bit taller and you're a little bit higher and you're a little bit better. You know, we, we can see the difference. He said, but if you actually pulled way back and took God's view at everybody, what, what would you see? We're all the same. We're all the same. The gospel lets you know you're messed up. And so when somebody else is messed up, you can go, man, me too. Me too. Now, here's the other thing. But if what they've told you really, really hurts, then knowing that you're loved is critical because you then know that the other person's sin isn't saying anything about your value. Maybe they couldn't be what you wanted them to be. Maybe they couldn't love you. Maybe they did things that you've asked them 10 times not to do and they still did it because they're messed up. But you know with the gospel that you're messed up and you're dearly loved. And as soon as you know you're loved, it can bring a sense of security so that when it hurts, and by the way, Susan and I were talking about this, I don't think there's any way that it can't hurt. I'm not saying it shouldn't hurt when somebody reveals something like that. It hurts. But if you know the gospel, you can work through the pain and you, because you actually have a security because you know how deeply loved you are. So how does the gospel work? If you're hiding something from somebody else, please know you're a human and the gospel's just told you you're messed up. Just deal with it. Accept it. It's one of the greatest things is for you to finally say, I'm just messed up and I'm just loved. Crazy talk. And it'll let you be open and it'll let you receive. Okay, now let's move to the next one. Sometimes we're not hiding something about us. Sometimes we're hiding something about somebody else, right? I'm hiding something about you. Now, this is a big one 
Because all of us have, you know, if you're married, you have definitely hidden things in your heart about your spouse. Okay? If you're part of this church and you're actually involved here, there's no question that there's some people around here, probably me. I know that's one of the things. It's with lead pastor, you just, this is just how it works. There's going to be things about people in here that you're hiding about them. You think things about them. You're struggling with things about them. There's things that you see in other people, and you're hiding them, okay? How does the gospel help you to be a speaker of truth in love? Because I'm telling you right now, if you're holding something against somebody else, can I tell you? If you're a Christian today and you're holding something against somebody else, can I remind you of something? The Holy Spirit is in you, and that is absolutely unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We have got to get into the light because you guys, I don't know about you, but man, when, when somebody bugs me or somebody hurt me, that's, if somebody hurt me or somebody didn't do something I liked, right? And next thing you know, and I don't actually talk to them about it, that's called living in the darkness. And you know what happens when you're in the darkness is you can't see. And so you know what you end up doing is you start imagining what's in the room, right? If it's dark, you start imagining what's in the room. And you know what happens if you don't speak the truth in love with someone who's hurt you or somebody who's done something to offend you? You start imagining things about them. And by the way, the things you imagine are never really good, are they? In fact, your mind will go down this trail, and the next thing you know, you've come up with these amazing thoughts about how much they, what they are and how much they don't like you and all, 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 all. So how do we handle this? Here's the deal, you guys. If you're the speaker, okay, let's say you have something inside of you. Somebody's hurt you, or you see, or <clears throat> let's not go down that route. That, that's one route. The other route could be, what if you see something in somebody's life, and you know it's not good, and you love them, right? But you want to keep the peace so you don't say anything about it, right? How do you speak the truth when you have something inside of you about somebody else? The first thing you got to do is this you got to remember what? I'm messed up. I am so messed up. So, man, when I see that you're messed up too, right? Do you remember when Jesus said this? This is when he said, hey, before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye, get rid of the log in your own eye. Okay? It's a great line. It's a great picture. You know, so basically what Christians do is we walk around with this big beam in our head and go, bam, bam, and we hit you because we see what you're doing, you know? And... So what God has said is, make sure you take care of this big honking thing in your own heart before you even think about dealing with somebody else's. If you have a truth that you feel like you're supposed to tell somebody else about them, you make sure that you remember how messed up you are. I'm telling you, when you know how messed up you are, then you will not be abrasive as you talk to somebody else. You won't look down on them. You won't think you're better than them. You won't judge them. You won't, some people come in and they just feel like they have all the answers, right? And everybody wants to fix you and all. You just won't do that once you know the gospel. The gospel is what tenderizes you. The gospel is what allows you to tell the truth with sweetness and with love and with mercy. And so the first thing you got to 